Welcome to another episode of the Innovativeness Imperative Podcast, where my guest and I will explore innovativeness, which is the quality that results from the combined enhancement of customer experience and employee experience to consistently generate new ideas, products, and services in a business, and is required in a business because if you're not innovating, you're dying. So welcome to the Innovativeness Imperative podcast. I have a guest with me today. Um, She has over 10 years experience managing brand communications and digital engagement strategy, product designs and IT application solutioning. She's a techie at heart and a lifelong learner of everything technology. Uh, She's also deeply passionate for healthcare and has consulted for a wide variety of organizations within the public and private sectors. A graduate of public relations, advertising, and media management, she believes that human-centered design is the key to building successful IT solutions and business transformation. So think people, then process, then technology, and and I absolutely love that. A digital business transformation advocate, she believes in helping people work better by creating and recommending processes that will be that will enable them to leverage technology effectively. Yes. She, she likes to speak and think of cloud technology as an enabler of rapid transformation, a model, and the required tool for business businesses to be successful in the fourth industrial revolution. My special guest today, Oge Chidbell. Um, thank you for joining me today, Okay. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I am so happy to be here to talk about one of my favorite things in the world, innovation, strategy, and yeah. customer. Yes, yes. Thank you very much. Awesome, awesome. So before we, before we started, you, you were about to tell me about your new role. So why don't you just jump in and tell me about this new role that you, you, you've undertaken? Yes, yeah, so I have recently assumed a new role as a customer in digital transformation strategist for productivity. And I think this is the first time that I've actually, I have a title that ties in every single thing that I'm passionate about. So I'm very, 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 very excited about this. Uh, I have been working with, or I started to work with really, really amazing individuals who think customer experience and more importantly, the strategy of technology mm-hmm. for businesses as they think of transforming themselves, which is something that is very, very important. And it's going to be even more important um, since the pandemic and for the life after the pandemic. So, yeah. So, so how did you how did you get there? Um, you, you were were you with Deloitte before before you went to this role? Yes. So. Okay. Real life story, I honestly stumbled on digital transformation on my own uh, okay. before I went into consulting. So I figured this out before consulting, actually, before I got in, involved with consulting, mm-hmm. um, because I started off my career in an advertising agency. Okay. Um, I, for some reason, was thrown on technology projects. And this was like, I don't know if you, I got on Facebook in 2008, straight mm-hmm. out of 
college. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for the first time, I was looking at the the power of data, which was kind of new to me coming from traditional media. So I was it really, really piqued my interest. And then if you if you look at my background where I've been responsible for media communication strategy for TV commercials, PR and all of that, it kind of just made sense for you to start thinking in terms of platform. Mm-hmm. And I think Facebook provided that opportunity. So that's kind of how I got involved. First of all, I just thought it was a cool stuff. <laughs> and so when I came, <laughs> I thought it was actually cool. And so when when I went to business school, actually went to University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, mm. um, I took some very interesting digital strategy class and I began to think because it just kind of made sense because I had more customer client-facing background for me to start you know, transferring that mindset to technology. And this is like mm. in 2014, where even Google wasn't thinking like that. Right, 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 right. No, that's excellent. That's, that's an inspiring story to, to hear how you transferred what were really, you know, like sort of brick and mortar skills, but yeah. now, now transforming that into, you know, a digital strategy. And it's, it's really relevant because that's what businesses are trying to do today, right? Every day they're trying to turn their interactions, yeah. people interactions into digital strategies yes. and, and uh, playbooks, really. Yeah. And, and it's kind of interesting because I, I remember back then in business school, I, I got into this program called, we had this UWM startup challenge and I had this idea because I was thinking of Nigeria. Nigeria had a lot of limitation when it comes to infrastructure, just like every emerging nation. Yeah. As of this time, I had gone to, I've traveled to different parts of Africa, but I also went to Brazil. So I began to mm-hmm. see that commonalities in poor infrastructure for emerging nations. So I was mm-hmm. thinking of how, you know, having a customer client facing a, a technology that takes into consideration um, the most smallest amount of users, right? The, the basic mm. interactional touch points required. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, you know what, if we build all of our technology, for instance, to flow, to float on mobile devices, then you're going to be providing opportunity and access to people in remote parts of the world. Yeah. And so I had come up with this idea called Agogo Network and actually won it. So I was like nice. <laughs> the face of EWM for a while. Yeah. But then I ran into a lot of issues because people were asking me, uh, why, why would anybody want to do this? If this was so important, why is Google not doing it? And it was a very interesting <laughs> question. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about it. I was like, I don't know. They, they don't know to do this, right? They haven't figured this out. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. And surprisingly, I graduated in 2014. In 2015, mm-hmm. Google did this 180 degree where they began to push just think mobile first. Mm. And that's how people began to think of designing first for mobile devices as a yeah. way to reach more customers yeah. because most people interacted with digital platforms on their phone. And I mean, since then, digital transformation has not been the same. It's just been like a ripple effect up until now. That's so interesting because, and and the question is very interesting. Why wouldn't a Google pursue something like this? And I I see this a lot. Like um, I've I've done um, work with accelerators and startups as well. And Mm -hmm. that's always a question. That's always a question from uh, investors. Like, why Mm -hmm. why aren't the big boys doing it? And a lot of times they just don't have, that's not where their focus is, 
right? Yeah. That, that yeah. They, they, you know, they're, they're wanting to reach millions of people where a, a small endeavor like yours, you're just trying to reach, you know, maybe a hundred thousand people, right? Exactly. And, you know, mm -hmm. so, so, and that is functionally how disruption happens, right? Yep. The, the largest companies, they're so busy coming up with these, you know, 10 year roadmaps and their innovations yep. are so out there. It doesn't meet mm -hmm. the needs of today's customers. Yes. So small businesses come in and meet those needs and disrupt mm -hmm. the larger businesses. But as you said, they, they finally, that light bulb finally went off. And I think they set the trend. Well, I wouldn't say they set the trend, but um, th they're definitely big players in, you know, the mobile transformation. And I think just about everybody now, even small businesses. Oh, yeah. On, you know, making their websites viewable and accessible mm -hmm. on mobile. And, on mobile device. I call it. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I called it back to your point, right? They were a big player because they enforced that good behavior on the internet. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they became the enforcers and the champion. I mean, I mean, let's talk about Google. Google is Google is one of the few companies I actually really, really admire. Just to see how even they have grown, they have treated innovation over. I mean, since 2000, at least I began to pay a lot of attention to them um, in 2012. Mm -hmm. But seeing how they've grown, and right now I'm thinking cloud transformation because that's kind of where I have my interest. And seeing even how they um, they approach um, digital transformation is an innovation is amazing to hear them define it. So mm -hmm. kudos to them for enforcing that behavior, for making it imperative, first of all, for companies to start to think mobile mm -hmm. because there was some sort of reward for them on the internet for visibility. So it had a major impact on SEO and SEM. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, 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 and when you think about 2014 or 2015, when they had that first campaign to date, now we're even thinking about metaverse. The world has essentially changed just because people realize for the first time that organizations don't have to drive the communication, right? In order for you to have that full communication with your customer, you have to have an exchange of information. And for the first time, the customer had the opportunity and the access to speak back to organizations, right? Yeah, and Google yeah. made that possible. You didn't like, you weren't happy with your customer service Well, go and tag them, give them mm -hmm. a nasty review on, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, go on social media, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That that is so important, and I feel like, you know, understanding that is even more important, right? As a business leader, you have to understand that the customer is different. Oh, they, yeah. they 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 may have you know similar needs as they had you know five, six, seven years ago, but mm -hmm. they are different. They are more savvy, right? Mm -hmm. They they are more um, understanding of their, their voice and how powerful yeah. their voice is. Mm -hmm. and, yes. And, and so if you're a business leader, if you're, if you're, um, running a business and you are not in tune with that or not making mm -hmm. yourself available on those channels mm -hmm. to, to have that conversation with your company, I mean, with your customers, mm -hmm. how are you really connecting? How are you yep. really meeting the needs? Um, I wrote in a blog post recently that, you know, our, our business lead, like the competitors, if, if you're not 
really focusing in on the customer experience, oh, yeah. your, your, your competitors will love you because they, oh, they're yeah. like, yeah, go, go right ahead. Because, and your customers, they will, they will not even second guess. They will go to where okay. they can get a unique experience and okay. the experience is enjoyable. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now where you listen to your favorite podcast. The Innovativeness Imperative is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. Oh, yeah. Period. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and it's even going to become more, and, and, and that's where, you know, now we're talking about innovation and even business transformation. That's why it's going to even going to get very dicey in future because the customers are becoming searchable. <laughs> Somebody out there is willing to do something and your company better not be the one, you know, that is dropping the balls. Yeah. I'll give you a very... Um, I started to bank with University of Wisconsin, for instance, when I was in, in when I was doing my MBA because they had the most forward app. Mm. Uh, you know, just uh, even down to a banking right now. I can't remember the last time I went into the bank. Right. I would not bank with Bank of America just because I hate it. <laughs> I hated their interface so badly that I went on social media <laughs> and tagged them directly with you. I like, you know. And I had that conversations with them. Mm -hmm. And now you have so far, you have all of these new banks coming up, all fintech and traditional banking, banking industry is about to be disrupted. It's yes. it, that's how powerful things are right now. Mm -hmm. It's about the experience. It's about, it's beyond just you running a commercial right now. In the past, it used to be that you could just have a very nice savvy, you know, PR blob, have a very good commercial, you're going to be fine. Today, it's beyond that. You yeah. know, how do people feel? Uh, I remember when I, when I, when I, my first job out of business school really was working with GE as mm -hmm. an automation specialist. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that was the first, that was the first rule that I really got very tactical with technology and seeing how powerful Marketo is, which is a behavioral analytics tool as of that time mm -hmm. and how much data we're able to collect from every interaction of the customer on, our, on all of our digital platform was amazing from building simple lead forms on the website mm -hmm. to sending the user um, targeted marketing newsletters and offerings and then seeing how long it takes and how long it would take a customer to convert to actually make a purchase, which is something that we would, we had learned in a traditional business marketing school, but yes. to actually see how technology can enable and keep track and generate unique data trail of that interaction is just amazing. And so it became very apparent really, really quickly that your digital platform is essentially your new advertising platform it's like your house if it mm -hmm. doesn't look good nobody's gonna come inside that's good like the first floor and i remember in my second job where way before i moved into consulting half of my my time was just sitting down with I have a passion for small businesses just because I feel like 
they have limited budget, limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just struggling a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so I remember half of my time then is really, really sitting down, listening to problems and making recommendation. You know, if you change your website, right? If you move this around, for instance, if you add a phone number to your website, for instance, if you have a contact form on your website, for instance, and that's what innovation is. Uh, people always think that innovation has to take, you know, you have to take this, do something really, really grand, uh, grandeur, like the French people will put it. it but it's really about you making tiny tweaks here and there that would heighten that experience while meeting your business objectives, right? Uh, making it easy. If I come on your website, for instance, and I, I like what you are selling and there's no phone call, number to call like this you know simple little things here and there um and 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 i think for me my career that's one thing i've really really enjoyed um i do have a passion for healthcare you would see it i've had i have a couple of apps right now um Mm. one of them is b capture which (laughs) so i have a friend who is a medical doctor Mm -hmm. and he runs a provider office Okay. And one day we were having this very interesting conversation where he was like, we get about 3,000 calls a month. And I'm like, what do you mean you get 3,000 calls a month? Like, why? Yeah. Yeah. And then I began to think about it. I was like, wait, if I need to schedule an appointment right now, I have to call my provider office. And every single time you call, you never talk to somebody. It goes to the voicemail. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, I realized that these offices are so busy because I used to wonder what they were doing. Like, why don't these people answer the phone? Right, why they can't answer the phone? Right. (laughs) Why can't they answer the phone? And we had a series of conversations. And for the first time in my, my life, I realized that while the health, the re- one of the reasons why healthcare is a nightmare right now in the US is because the provider offices and the middlemen providing these healthcare services do not have the right tools. They're not leveraging. They don't have the right processes. They don't have access to the right technology. Mm -hmm. Um, All of their systems are siloed. So they don't even have good information. Mm -hmm. It was so funny to me when I was talking to this man where he was like, hospitals, for instance, don't most a lot of hospitals don't have their own doctors, right? right. So they go and get consulting doctors. Mm-hmm. Now, consulting doctors would have to submit uh, like an invoice for the services that, that, has been, that is being provided. And mm-hmm. so it's called a claim. So when you go see a doctor, the doctor spends time with you. He essentially has to take all of that interaction and put it into a, a different system to generate something called a super bill. Mm-hmm. Now that super bill is what is being is going to be submitted to an insurance company for them to pay the doctor for that service mm-hmm. because you know that's how it's it's set up. Yeah. Now the reason why there is a lot of problem is because sometimes the information being submitted is not right. Mm-hmm. The doctor may have forgotten. The patient didn't provide the right information at that interaction. So you have this huge black box of inadequate processes that are just outdated yeah so i remember one of the things when i was talking to him for instance i was like how do you work what do you do oh okay everybody in the u.s irrespective of what you're doing if you're a medical doctor you have to use a cpt code or an icd-10 
Mm-hmm. There's a database of these codes. So this is something I can front load into an application for you to click, 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 click on. And that's how we began to digitize medical making the entire process from beginning to the end. From how you talk to your patient, the kind of information that is being required, right? That is required mm-hmm. with the whole intention of generating accurate information for this provider office, right? To be able to submit that claim so that they can be paid. Mm-hmm. I, I think, and, and that was my first app. It was the first proof of concept because I really wanted to, can this thing be done? So I have this, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> but, but that's why I decided to play around with the healthcare industry. And yeah. the more I looked into it, it's just tiny, tiny things here and there mm-hmm. that would make their life significantly better but nobody's or people are looking at the industry, but they are looking at the through the wrong lenses. Yeah. So a lot of yeah. And I keep I can keep going. And so that's why I call it my favorite industry in the world because there's just so much you can do there. Yeah. Yeah. No, and and I, I totally understand. Like um I I look at things in terms of continuums, right? I I, I don't I, I try not to look at things in disparate vacuums, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I tr- so like for healthcare, I understand how healthcare is, right? There's, there's a, it's a continuum. Say you injure yourself or have something that causes mm-hmm. you to go to a doctor or a mm-hmm. physical therapist or whatever. There's, there's a continuum. You go there, you mm-hmm. may go to a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. You, let's say you, you get cut, you go to a doctor, the emergency room, you get the stitches. Um, mm-hmm. And then maybe you have to go to another general generalist for a follow-up. Um, let's yeah. say when you got cut, you had some ligament damage. So you have to then go, maybe go to physical therapy or something like that. But that's mm-hmm. a continuum. That's a series of things that needs to happen. And mm-hmm. to your point, I, I just think about like, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm in athletics and um, mm-hmm. I play basketball in college and stuff like that. And nice. one of the things I've, I did um, because I wanted to give back to the community is, you know, get certified as a personal trainer. And I connected okay. with one of my, my friends who is a physical therapist. And mm-hmm. I would see he would have these, you know, a wall of files. I'm like, good grief. Like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing with all those files? And he mm-hmm. paid somebody to manage that, that wall. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. And he would always complain about getting paid, right? As he did whatever he did in, um, mm-hmm. for the physical therapy exactly. um, mm-hmm. appointment. He had to yep. write it down and mark all these, yep. this funny paper and then send that off to the insurance company and would complain because he's not getting paid in a timely manner. It takes 60, 90 oh, yeah. days or whatever. And I was like, you know, and so we, we along those same lines, he, he ended up getting a, um, a CRM that mm-hmm. uh, mind body yeah. you probably heard of mind body before mind yeah. body online and that kind of helped but he still had this wall of files enjoying the show we'd appreciate a rating on itunes or simply share the show with a friend or colleague that may enjoy this new community or want to learn how to spark their innovativeness. That would help us out too. Now back to the show. (music) 
mm-hmm. every time you go into his office, you have to, you know, the, the receptions has to pull the file and then see what they did. I mean, it's just, I'm like, man, this is what, what I wrote down when you were talking about that. Cause I, I can imagine mm-hmm. other providers having the same thing, right. Oh, yeah. and, it, you know, just pro- provider modernization. It seems like that would be, that would make so much sense, right? And it's, and it's while I, I, I recommended a CRM for them, I think it's mm-hmm. more than that, right? I think it's more than just the CRM. It's, it's also that inter- interaction between, okay, you, you tr- have the transaction with the patient, but how mm-hmm. do we make sure our income and our revenue is mm-hmm. timely and predictable, right? As opposed to, well, we'll send off the claim and then see what the insurance company comes back and tells us, right? And yeah. before we get paid. And so, so yeah. And you also touched on another thing, um, just, just the fact that innovation isn't, most people think of, you know, Apple and you yeah. know, Amazon and all that stuff. And these, these, what you call grandiose or disruptive innovations. But mm-hmm. to me, th- there, there is that, right? The radical mm-hmm. innovations that change your customers, that change the industry, but there's mm-hmm. also continuous improvement, right? There's, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's the yeah. other end where, as you said, maybe mm-hmm. we need to, you know, come up with a way to streamline our accounts receivable, right? Mm-hmm. So that we know exactly what the, 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 the insurance company wants, as opposed to trying to recreate the wheel every single time we have a, a oh, yeah. transaction and so it's it's um i think that and you kind of touched on it i think it's right right i think that industry mm-hmm. healthcare in general from the highest mm-hmm. levels like with you know uh uh cms right i think yeah. from cms all the way down to our, our our local providers can you know they can stand modernization i think they really oh, can yeah. to, to to just help the the general public Oh yeah, I mean, you started to go into, uh, and I and I know that when I was talking to you about B Capture, which is the app that I was talking about, mm-hmm. uh, back to your point, we realized that it has to be constant com- com- communication. There has to be patient engagement somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we ended up building this enterprise level application. Nice. So we went from building just a you know a mobile app to actually having this robust CRM on mm. steroids, right? Because it's <laughs> right. not just. <laughs> I want a real-time communication, for instance, with all of the doctors. So there has to be some sort of collaboration within yeah. the application, yeah. not just with the doctors themselves, but also for the for the for the administrative assistants and yeah. the billers and all of those people that are physicians mm. as uh, uh, assistants and every single person that is helping us to fulfill or help this provider office run. Because that's why that's why you know your friend will run into that issue, right? Mm-hmm. There's also that mm-hmm. issue of also you know, digitizing records, right? Yeah. Making sure that you are creating a profile. This is an actual patient of yours and you're mm-hmm. keeping track and engaging with, do you know that? And tell me if I'm going, like if I'm going into a different topic still on this whole thing, do you know that the lung cancer, for instance, is the only cancer that you can effectively manage and cure? Do you know why people die of lung cancer? Not because it. they don't catch it on time. Mm-hmm. And when they do, the parties involved with managing that disease do not communicate effectively well. Wow. Wow. And 
it, it, it's something as simple as back to that. Can you get a CRM to track this long nodal growth? Mm-hmm. Make sure that the patient knows when to come in for the next appointment. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the, um, the physician providing that health service communicates with whomever is also involved. So is there another specialist? Is there a radiologist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of these people are talking effectively with the patient as they provide that cure. And then there's also the part of the insurance company documenting this entire process so that the insurance company knows, right, to pay the physician for all. It's, it's, we could go on and on about healthcare. <laughs> it's, it's amazing to watch. Every time I look at it, I'm like, oh my God, okay, now this is, this is something I'm working on for, I don't know, next year or something. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's such an incredible point. And, it, it just, it just drives home the point that, you know, to, to technology is an enabler, right? It, exactly. it enables us to do things that, I mean, we probably can do, but it does it so much more efficiently, so much mm-hmm. faster, right? Yeah. And, and it has a, a, a just a, a 10x reach, right? And oh, so yeah. you brought up a really good point about, all right, we need to talk to the customer, the patient, mm-hmm. we need to talk to other providers, we need mm-hmm. to talk to the insurance company, and to put all of that on a provider and an admin assistant or a team of admins, like that's ridiculous, right? And, right? and you would think that there would be something in place. So so tell me, because I, I, I wanted you to talk to me about your, your mantra here, people process mm-hmm. technology. Tell yes. me, and that kind of that kind of falls into that. Talk to me about that that mantra, though. So um, the people process technology is actually the domain for digital business transformation. And uh, in 2017, so first of all, I noticed um, a resonating theme throughout my career where you have technology implementation, but for some reason they don't meet their return on investment. So you have projects that go over budget or the solution just didn't make sense. And so companies spend a lot of money implementing this powerful technology that's supposed to solve all this problem, but mm-hmm. it doesn't meet expectations. Mm-hmm. And so I remember in 2017, I was working with a company um, in Southern Maryland mm-hmm. and I began to look at, holistically do an assessment of the entire IT strategy. And then I realized back to your points that technology is, is just an enabler. So it's not enough for you to hear, for instance, everybody is going to cloud, right? What are you going to do in cloud? What's right. the strategy driving your cloud? Right. <laughs> you know, mobilization, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody has to sit down and effectively think through a strategy that they can deploy and then bring other experts in. And Mm -hmm. for most organizations, nobody's thinking that way because a lot of time people are thinking technology first. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so you would have people who would implement the technology without doing a full audit of their processes. Mm -hmm. And so now they have a technology that they don't have, their processes cannot support. And so I began to really, really think about that you know, and pay attention. And I had a lot of questions, like, why do these people make this problem? Is it 
am I just a stupid person or am I just not thinking effectively? Or why is everybody asking this question? Mm-hmm. And so I began to think that uh, when I came into consulting, I started to do things differently. And mm-hmm. there's a company called Sapient. Mm-hmm. I call them the, the 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 smart kids and the cool kids of consulting. Okay. And Sapient really, really, really answered that question for me because I remember I used to have this director who would say, no, 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 let's ask the customer this question instead. And mm-hmm. it takes five whys for mm-hmm. you to get to why we need a CRM. <laughs> Outside of we need a CRM. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I'm sure you have that in your experience or you have a project. I'm like, no, I I know I could manage this project, Mm -hmm. but what is this project and why are we here? And so people process technology became the mantra for me at that point. Mm -hmm. um, When I began to think that people actually drive all of this conversation. And sometimes those people are internal. Most time they Mm -hmm. are internal because culture is very, very important for technology to be successful, people yeah. have to buy into it. Mm-hmm. And then you have the external stakeholders. The customer has to like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, so nobody should wake up in IT and decide that, you know what, we're going to do this without, <laughs> without us asking why are we doing this and who are we doing it for? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of where it came from. And I would always have that in all of my my email signature, I would always have that every conversation I have with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the coolest thing also is a while ago, I was able to work on a project um, for a for the public sector, for mm-hmm. the government, actually. Mm-hmm. And that question really came into mind because I heard questions like, we don't have customers. I'm like, well, you do. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and, and to think of how people believe it or not, tend to go into providing and implementing technology without thinking of people. Yes. Yes. Without thinking. It's so rampant. Any project that you see that goes over budget, it's stressful. It is not effective. Half of the time is because the people, people, that people question was not answered. It's so interesting because I'm, I'm reminded of, a project I've worked on recently where mm-hmm. they, they've implemented a ton of RPA projects, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I was called in to kind of just look at them and, you know, build some tests to support, right? Like, okay, this RPA is supposed to do if then, you know, produce an output. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, I'm building test cases to, te- to test that RPA. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, why wasn't, first of all, why wasn't I brought in earlier before yeah. the RPA was built, right? Mm-hmm. And they have, so this output is supposed to support the customer, but mm-hmm. now it's so complicated. The RPA has so many complications. Mm-hmm. Like, why can't, why can't it just be, like I said, if then, if then, if then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Enjoying what you're hearing? We'd love to hear how the innovativeness imperative is impacting the way you do business. Keep listening to hear how you can leave us a message that we may use or respond to on an episode. 
Also, subscribe where you listen to your favorite podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now back to the show. logic right <laughs> it's simple logic this thing is so complicated okay and and that just tells me to your point there was no consideration for people there nope. was no consideration for how can we look at this so it, it's almost so customized because it's it's doing so much and so complicated it can't be used anywhere else mm-hmm. right it, it's, if it's if if you have an rpa or innovation that is just simple if then if then if mm-hmm. then, oh, you yeah. can apply it anywhere you can mm-hmm. apply it in, in any type of situation as opposed to making this thing so complicated that it only mm-hmm. can be used there and so now in this project they to, to your point about being over budget mm-hmm. and um uh beyond schedule they have to redo it, it mm-hmm. to, to make it they took my recommendation um to just make it a decision maker right just oh, make, yeah. just make it if and then if and then and so it, it's it's important so i i have a, a very similar mantra right um and i back in my career it, you know if you if have been in business any amount of time you start to understand that it's always about the people the oh, process yeah. and the tools mm-hmm. and I, so when you when you said people process and technology that really got my antennas up because that's what it is right before technology was the you know the the main um use uh, and facilitator enabler it was just people processing tools how can we get you know microsoft suite to do what we wanted to do and and help support you know the processes that we need to have on the business how can we use google suite to to do these things but technology now you know with with the advent of you know rpa and ai and machine learning mm-hmm. has has really you know come to the forefront as not just a tool but an enabler mm-hmm. of all of our processes yeah and I, and i and i think the people question is always very important one of the other things that i learned is you have processes for instance that <laughs> you don't why do you do things this way yeah. i half of the time i found myself on you know on projects where we're writing requirements based on somebody's i don't know thoughts or expectation or some sort of process that was created for no reason it's a complete waste <laughs> it's ineffective it's not help and you you begin to ask people that question where yeah. you have multiple stakeholders at different levels and the aha moment is so why are we doing this like yeah, yeah. what this is so everybody hates the process we all know it's not working but we're doing it anyway it comes back it always boils back to the people question um one of the hardest lessons that i learned on a project that really went bad really 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 bad was mm. was really around you know how so in consulting I, for most smart consulting companies are supposed to do something called discovery right discovery is where you come in and you're yeah. supposed to ask questions yeah. to gather requirements mm-hmm. i learned really quickly that sometimes <laughs> the quality of people that get to attend that workshop will determine the quality of the technology mm. and the processes for that technology yeah. so you would find most assertive you know uh outward going people coming out 
acting as stakeholders, they sound like they know the processes, but they don't. (laughs) (laughs) I've literally sat down halfway through the project. We were headed headed in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, during testing, right? Thank God for Agile, where you're testing things, right? You need testing or you're you're doing some sort of testing, Mm -hmm. doing a demo to the clients. And Mm -hmm. somebody, one guy at the back, looks at me and said, well, but that's not really our process. And I'm like, that's not how that works. I'm like, wait, this is the conversation we should have had. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You're like, and so now I recommend a stakeholder matrix. I want to know who is in the room. That's good. I want to know what they do. Mm -hmm. I want to know how involved they are with the process. I want to know who, again, back to that people, who is using this technology? Yeah. It looks yeah. very good. We're building a website. We know very well that the customer is doing that. We have a profile of the customer who mm-hmm. is providing the service, who is gonna, who is on the receiving end of all of this. Mm-hmm. It's the people. Yeah, it's yeah. always people. That's so good. That's so good. Uh, a stakeholder matrix, I think, is something super powerful because you're right. You don't want to be in a meeting with people that have no. They're not even close to the process that you're trying to to resolve for. Right. And, and yeah. that's, that's just a waste of time. So I, I, I really like that the people processes and technology, but you touched on something, right. The stakeholder matrix and um, early on in the conversation, you talked about a, a type of AB testing that yeah. um, uh, uh, small businesses can do. What are some yeah. other things that you've, you've done that have could help like small businesses in their, sort of their their pursuit of innovation and making a better customer experience? So one thing I always do, so um, before I, and this is another joke, before I went into consulting, I ran my own digital agency for like three, four years. And my focus really was on small businesses. Nice. And one thing I always do when I start is I do a business model canvas. Nice, yes. You know, you'll be you'll be amazed by how, especially when people are very close to processes, mm-hmm. or you know, when it's a sole proprietor or someone who or a founder, you'll be amazed by how much people are so used to, but is not well thought through. Right. Right. So a business model, for instance, would help you break down key delivery, key aspects of that business. Mm -hmm. And I tend to spend a lot of time on the value proposition segment. Because most of the time when you see a business struggling, it's either trying to define its value proposition or identify or refine its offering for its customer. And those two things are always related. Yes. Because communication and channeling and all of that, you could do that. But if I am writing a story and I'm not speaking in the voice of my target customer, mm-hmm. it is going to be an ineffective um, strategy. So you yeah. always want to, so, and, and something as simple as a value proposition and then key stake, stakeholders, for instance, mm-hmm. your partners, mm-hmm. just going into that meeting and helping businesses think through that whole snapshot in one piece does amazing things. And then I can now come in and say, you know what, based on what you've told me, here's where I think we should start. And it's part of that assessment, right? Yeah, we all yeah. need to do that. I think you hit on one word hit there where um, continuous improvement. Mm-hmm. I have a customer engagement framework that I did where I rearrange people process 
in technology would overlap where there's a data trail, right? I believe in data, right? Mm -hmm. When Mm -hmm. you cross technology together with a customer, you should get customer experience data. And every organization knows what that is, right? Mm -hmm. When you cross Mm -hmm. processes together with your people, you should get insights, right? You should get get some sort of feedback. Mm -hmm. If you're not getting any kind of feedback, during your transformation uh, or transformative exercise, then that strategy is ineffective. You yeah. need to go back to the drawing board, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I, I found at the end of the day, the, the importance of, of continuous improvement is the fact that nobody gets anything right at once. Mm-hmm. You need to, because we are all at different levels of maturity, right? Yeah. Um, But the key thing is, are are we identifying the things we need to continuously improve on? Mm -hmm. And if so, what are those things and who he's keeping track of them to measure that progress over a period period of time? Right. You know, one of my very go-to story is when Facebook makes their first UI updates last Mm -hmm. year, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the first UI turnover was not great. You know how I use social media. I I still have posts on my on my phone where I was tagging Facebook. They're like, "Wait, who did this? Who, <laughs> do you guys have some sort of some sort of enter? I know they probably don't want me to watch. Yeah, I was that person. You know, it was not great, but they needed that feedback right away, right, for mm-hmm, them to improve mm-hmm. on. Because if you don't identify that, then you don't know what to improve on. And something today that I noticed, um, I have the new flip Samsung flip phone, mm-hmm. and they have something called a virtual lab now where you can actually come in and test the features mm. of your technology. Nice. Right? So I think that the future of organizations as they approach innovation and mm-hmm successfully come rapidly transform themselves because it's going to be that need for rapid transformation yes. yeah. is identifying those key things they want to continuously improve on because mm-hmm. it's a continuous work yeah yeah no that that's really good that's really good because and and i've, I've seen that right i've seen mm-hmm. um and i think apple is the only one that really doesn't do it where they 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 have their code that they don't open their code up right they don't open it up like which Open yeah. innovation is a huge thing. And I think it's, it's, it's somewhat difficult. And I think a mind shift change for small businesses to do something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be very innovative, right? If, mm-hmm. if a small business is trying to solve a problem, open mm-hmm. it up, open oh, it yeah. up to, to their, what I like to tell small businesses, open it up to your customers. You're listening to the Innovativeness Imperative Podcast, the show that brings you global conversations with business leaders like you. To spark your innovativeness, inspire you on your entrepreneurial journey, and help sharpen your leadership skills. With your host, Dr. Malcolm Tyson, award-winning business leader, entrepreneur, and innovative culture advocate. Now back to the show. you know open up to your customers and and see if they can help you solve the problem because Mm -hmm. it's going to benefit them in the long run anyway um you Mm -hmm. touched on so many things um 
that I think would be helpful for small businesses, like the cross of people and processes and the mm -hmm. cross of processes and technology and just creating that data farm, right? Creating that data trail. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the most important thing that you said was about the um, optimization, right? I yeah. think as small businesses um, and as small business leaders, you wanna have that one hit wonder, right? You wanna come up with an idea that just blows, you know, goes to the moon. And that's not the reality, right? It's the re not, it's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, the reality is you're gonna you're gonna swing and you're gonna miss. Right. Yep. You're you're gonna swing and you're gonna miss again. Mm -hmm. But you need to optimize, right? How close am I to the ball? How, how, yeah. how, you know, what are some of the things that I can tweak, right? Do I need to lower my stance? You know, and that's a sports analogy, but it's, it's really about optimizing. And Amazing. if, if you're, if you can look at it, you can manage it and you can optimize it. And so that's yeah. why data is so important because if you don't have data, you don't know where you are in any, you, you don't even know you're anything guessing. Right. And, you know, I don't know any business leader that wants to run their business by just guessing. Doesn't make oh, sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the ahead. 80s, maybe you could do that. <laughs> maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe in the 80s, right. Yeah, you're right. Right now, nah, I, don't, I don't know Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, um, and so, so with that, like, what do you see as some of the challenges um, that you, that you're seeing in in cloud transformation and tech in you know the implementation and execution of people processes and technology. What are some of the challenges you're thinking about? I I think the biggest challenge right now is communication, and I have a pet peeve for communication in the sense that people always think that communication is fluency. Mm. It's not fluency; it's shared meaning. I feel like even the 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 best companies, the best projects, the best people, the best tools, if you don't have that seamless shared understanding of meaning, mm -hmm. value, vision, and goals, you're gonna still have problems. Mm. And I feel like the biggest challenge and 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 small businesses in particular, already have their own baggage, right? You don't have the right, they're struggling with talent, for instance. Yeah, yeah. They probably don't have resources, right? So they have yeah. huge, huge resource problems, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, they don't have access to the right technology. It's expensive. Yeah. And even when it's not expensive, they don't know the best way, right? Yeah. So so you, you see all of that coming. So I feel mm -hmm. like communication, that's why it is very, very important that uh, in, 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 in addressing problems, there is very clear understanding of what that problem is. Mm -hmm. And whoever is providing solution or offering any kind of solution is communicating that offering in a way that can be understood by all stakeholders. Something as simple as a requirement written, you know, I, because I have a technology background, for instance, sometimes when I'm listening to, you know, talking to stakeholders, you'll be amazed by how a technical person defines a problem and the customer defines the same problem. Mm -hmm. They are both saying the same thing, 
but half of the times they don't understand each other. Yeah. So I feel yeah. like the biggest the biggest thing really is shared meaning, mm-hmm. and how can we effectively continue to build that sh- that the value of shared meaning outside of the noise? Because until you get to that point where what you're saying, I mean, it's as simple as companies, for instance, will spend so much money bringing in a new technology because they spoke to a particular customer. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they spoke to a particular customer demography mm-hmm. and it became, you understand? Yeah, you see, yeah, yeah. Very simple things like this where people are communicating, but you're not communicating well. And so one of the things I always, you know, remind myself every now and then is it's not about what is being said. It's, it's about whether what is being said is understood. Mm-hmm. Because if it's understood, there would be a byproduct for that understanding. Mm-hmm. And that's what communication is. It's yeah. a circle. It's a loop. Mm-hmm. You say something, somebody hears you, they respond to what you have said. Yeah. You validate that response mm-hmm. and it keeps going. Yeah. And if we can successfully do that, the processes will become a lot more effective. Technology implementation would work better. Mm-hmm. The customer is going to be happier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know how many times you've, I don't know if you've ever, I said this, but you're not listening to me. You don't- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's so, it, it's, it's interesting because it, it just makes me think about how in my career, throughout my career, um, I've just seen how many times we talk at each other instead of yeah. talking to each other, right? And mm-hmm. you bring up such a good point um, about, and it, it also just reminds me of, you know, the, the people that I've worked with that I consider really great leaders, they are the mm-hmm. best communicators. They oh, are yeah. the best communicators. They understand what their, how their words land on me mm-hmm. and you know, what they need to say to me to get me to either follow or, you know, influence my decision and, Mm -hmm. you know, communication. And so another question now, because I was Mm -hmm. thinking about this when we're, when we're talking about communication in in terms of um, producing innovations and, and, and and, uh, innovative culture Mm -hmm. with the pandemic, have you seen a change in the way that you might communicate given we're on video, given we're not face-to-face as much anymore? Um, I just wrote a, a, a blog post about the social, um, the Im- well, no, it was the, the impact of social disruptions mm-hmm. on like customer experience and employee experience, right? And so it, it, it yeah. talks about some of those things, right? Because, you know, of the, 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 the George Floyd murder and the economic crisis we're going through mm-hmm. and the pandemic, what does that mm-hmm. mean to the way that businesses confront their customers, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, what, what have you seen in, in terms of that? Or have you seen anything? Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think this is a very good question. I, I, I think more than ever, um, the pandemic has tested how we communicate, right? Mm-hmm. It's becoming more and more imperative that we, we have shared meaning. Mm-hmm. And I always talk about that because uh, back to your point where people talk at, at one another, mm-hmm. people sound like they know what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I was literally listen. I call it I call it eloquent nonsense. Like you know, <laughs> I'm a consultant, yeah. so yeah. you know, like you know, you throw you throw around that consulting BS, and you're mm-hmm. thinking to yourself like, 
Uh, but somebody else can read between the lines. There's no shared meaning, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think more than ever, it's going to be very important for us to be on the same page every time we communicate. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that has been very helpful, like I have been working from home since 2019, for okay. instance. Mm-hmm. So I've had time to, perf- to perfect this, I think. <laughs> but I, plus, I've always worked from home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somewhere. Uh, one thing that I have learned is I identifying things or areas of validation. So my biggest pet peeve, and I'm going to say this on your podcast, is for instance, I hate it when someone sends me one page of email that doesn't tell me what's why <laughs> and what action is required. Yeah. It's going to become more and more like that, right? I hear mm-hmm. what you're saying to me. What is my role in this? Mm-hmm. What? How can I prove to you that what you've told me, I understand, so this is successful? Yeah. We're going to have to find better ways to do that mm-hmm. outside of sending one page of email that nobody reads, <laughs> having endless meetings, two-hour meetings, yeah. oh, yes, where we're going around in circle because we're not addressing the right things, the big mm-hmm. elephants in the room, nobody wants to talk about that. So human, I, I, I was talking to my sister about this. The human, <laughs> we are about to evolve as humans. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to find better ways to, to express ourselves, but more importantly, in such a way that other people can readily understand, because I feel like that understanding is where the problem is. Yeah. And I think the reason why a lot of us miss it is most of us communicate with other people the way we like to be communicated. Yeah, with. yeah. There's no emotional intelligence there. It's just how we like to communicate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, oh, I like to, you know. So we're going to have to figure, the other thing is I, I've always worked on, um, I've always worked with teams that are overseas, for instance. I've, mm-hmm. I've in a lot of team projects that I found myself. I've had teammates in Europe, I've had teammates in India, and I've mm-hmm. had, you know, like so one thing, and then I grew up in a culture, I grew up in Nigeria, we have over 260 ethnic languages. Mm-hmm. So depending on what you're saying, the tone mm-hmm. and the context, it could mean something completely different yeah. to, to the next person that can yeah. be completely off- offensive. So I've always been very mindful of that Mm -hmm. and i feel that back to your your question right it's going to get to that point where shared meaning is going to mean it's going to mean it's it's very very important being understood is going to be the next phase because if Mm -hmm. i understand it we don't have to spend one hour on a meeting that we don't need Right, right right if i understand what is being asked of me i don't have to if the moment you have to send three four emails to resolve an issue, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. is not being said right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 go on. No, I was going to say, you know, it's not only about what we say, right? Because you can present, because I've been in this situation where you present an issue and you mm-hmm. think that you're, 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 you're communicating. Yes, you're communicating, elucidating on all the things that you, all the major points. And you feel like you're the, everybody understands because everybody's shaking their head. Yes. But no one really asks the right question. If they ask the question and I'm able mm-hmm. to answer it, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. yes, you understand. But mm-hmm. that's not always the case, right? It's, no. it's always about asking the right questions, right? It, 
Yeah. So I, I just, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where people you think they understand and they may have asked some questions, but they still don't quite get it. They don't, they don't get it. You know, and you're hitting on something very, very important right now. So in the light, there's this thing called business chemistry mm-hmm. and that we all have to take. I'm a pioneer driver. I've always been that way. I'm the person that my tolerance for ambiguity is higher than normal. <laughs> so bring the problem to me. You haven't thought, you've not thought it through. Mm-hmm. Through, I mean, come to me, sit down with me. I will think and I'll tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. I'll just give me time. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Some people don't act, they don't work that way. Mm-hmm. So if you're dealing with me and you're sending me more information that I could actually Google, so <laughs> I could read up on my own. Yeah. I'm already I'm thinking to myself, why is this person doing all of this? Because it's it's so the biggest lesson that I've learned when it comes to communication is communicate with somebody the way they would understand the mm-hmm. way. So, and that's why emotional intelligence is very, very important. And yeah. in order for you to get to that point, you have to know people outside of just knowing them. Yeah. You have to pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have to relate with them genuinely yeah. relate with them yeah. in order to be able to establish that relationship that would make life a lot easier because we are all stressed out. Yeah. Everybody is stressed. That that is such a good point, okay? Because I feel like that's with that trust, with that candor, with that ev- yeah. uh, vulnerability, with that accountability, you have a culture for innovation. Without yes. that, if you're not commu- if you can't even get the basics of communication, I mean, not even talking about candor, not even talking mm-hmm. honestly to each other, just yeah. can't get past communication. You mm-hmm. cannot innovate. You can't, you can't do anything. You can't, you can't, it's impossible. And so I, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that point up because that is the, to me, one of the key seeds for creating an innovation of culture. Yeah, and trust. You know, one of the things, one of the biggest thing, um, I, 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 my friends and I would always, I have a very thick skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, because, it, it, but it took me a while to get to that point where, Sometimes we are working together and we're trying mm-hmm. to solve this problem. And I don't know. I would rather you told me you didn't know than you tell me what you know you don't know. And I'm writing on it as the ultimate truth. Mm-hmm. And then as a team, we all fall flat on our faces. I hope you like what you're hearing so far. The Innovativeness Imperative podcast is made possible by Anchor, which makes it easy for podcasters like me to record, edit, and publish shows in one place. Go to anchor.fm to learn more and set up a free account. Now back to the show. So it, it's going to become more and more important for us, especially when it comes to innovation. And that's where vulnerability comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in. In the corporate world, everybody's always talking about bringing your authentic self to, to work and, yeah. you know, bringing that authenticity. Well, uh, in order for us to be authentic, we have to be vulnerable. We have to, but in order for us to be vulnerable, we have to trust. Mm-hmm. In order for us to trust, we have to learn to communicate mm-hmm. and learn each other. Yeah. 
so that we all understand to foster that culture of innovation. And I, and I like the way Google actually put it. Um, Google actually has this mantra for innovation. Mm-hmm. And culture is one big player there. This culture and, and part of their culture, they were talking about, you know, the fear of failure, mm-hmm. communicating and trust, mm-hmm. right? Because if it's, and I think, and this is this is that one big thing for leaders more more than ever. Mm-hmm. If we really, really want to talk about innovation, then we have to we have to get rid of the fear of failing mm-hmm. and the consequences. Yeah, so we need to move from that whole culture of you know building consequences to actually embracing failure. You know, embracing ambiguities. Mm-hmm. embracing honest feedback you know somebody doesn't know well can you find out well can you can you find out I, I'm, I've, uh, and one of the things i like about productivity is i've had sometimes i'm talking to my colleague and she's like you know i haven't really really researched this but if you give me time i'll get back to you I would rather have that feedback than you tell me this whole long <laughs> sentences of things that are, are not completely true yeah. and that I go writing on it as the truth. So I feel back to your points for that culture of innovation. And even me, my personal life, every time I'm always trying to, to, to do new things, one of the things I tell myself is it's okay to fail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so good. It's okay. Yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... And it's, you know, we were talking, you, you made the joke about, you know, it might be okay, it, it might be okay in the 80s to do something like that. But we, we still have businesses today that, you know, they uphold that sort of counterintuitive culture, mm-hmm. right? Where, oh, yeah. where if, if you say you don't know, that's a problem, right? Oh, yeah. If, if you, yeah. And if you fail, Oh no, we we can't have that, and so it, it's hard, right? It's it's really hard unless, like you said, you get someone at the top who understands what innovation is all about, understand the value of innovation, understand, oh, yeah. you know, like you like you said, you have to have the trust, you have to have vulnerability, you have to have this adaptive space where you have because in any corporation in any business you have different people. But you mm-hmm. have to get to a level beyond the surface level. And yeah, I mean, the, the whole conversation about bringing your authentic self to, to business is huge for me. And, I, and I'm going to dedicate some time in the next quarter because employee experience is huge. Oh, the, yeah. The thing that I'm seeing as a result of the pandemic is everybody has on a mask. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> no one is coming to work as their authentic self. No one is oh, going yeah. to business as their authentic self. And that's to me, that's a problem. Because if you, if, if the employee experience is, you don't even have a, a path to optimize it because no one is being real. No one is being uh, uh, honest about mm-hmm. how they're doing their work. You can't mm-hmm. innovate. You, oh, yeah. you can't innovate because it's a bunch of pawns, right? <laughs> There's a bunch of pawns in the, in the place that don't really want to be there, right? Or oh, you yeah. don't even know if they want to be there or not. And so to ask them to do beyond what's on their job description, which is, you know, key to innovation. Like, how can you do that? And so, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's something 
I, I might actually invite you back on to just talk about that aspect a little bit more because oh yeah passion um, yeah yeah the, the the people part of your people process and tools really is is integral to uh innovative culture oh, yeah. um and so um, I, I want to be respectful of your time. I did have yeah. one more one more point or one more question that I wanted you to speak on um, because okay. this has been a blast for me. Okay, this has been <laughs> amazing. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, so, so what are you seeing? What What are you seeing in terms of trends? What do you think is around the corner? Whether it be for in terms of innovation, in terms of your mantra, people, process, tools. What are you seeing? What is something that you can speak on in terms of, of, of that? Okay, so when when Zuckerberg, uh, when 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 Facebook or Meta came up and said, you know, Metaverse was the next thing. I thought it was just going to be a, a buzzword, mm. and over the last few weeks, over the holiday, I really spent time, and back to your question, what's the next big thing? Mm -hmm. I mean, I always joke that if this is the fourth industrial re revolution, for instance, we are just scratching the surface of, of customer experience mm -hmm. and how it, it impacts businesses, which is why you have digital business transformation right now mm -hmm. and how it's going to be important for businesses to transform themselves around the customer. Well, here's this dude coming out to say, you know what? I am going to find a way to create this virtual world for these customers that are already on steroids, where they can live out their wildest imagination in a virtual world. It's big. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. digital business transformation multiplied like raised to power 1000 yeah at, at the very least yeah and yeah. to see how and i was thinking about it because last two years ago i had an idea i was looking at the fashion industry mm -hmm. and sorry i'm not on video today because it's been a mess but when i take time out to look good mm -hmm. i go all out yeah and i always hear very interesting people it comes very easily to you so me applying my business, my process thinking to, you know, making everything, making it into a process. I was thinking of creating a website that can actually do that. Mm. And here's this dude <laughs> talking about meta. And I'm like, oh my God, the fashion industry is going away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because now everybody's saying nobody's dressing up to go out. Well, right. what if people want to dress up in a virtual world? And that's a completely different industry. And I think Nike was the first to jump on it. So, but back to your point, right? It's still digital business transformation, mm -hmm. but it's on steroids now. And companies, and especially small businesses that are not even thinking in terms of customers, mm -hmm. there's going to be this huge gap because it's going to become more and more difficult for them to jump on because a lot of people are going to leave them behind. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because it just makes me think if the metaverse is designed for you to kind of live there and, mm -hmm. you know, do the things that you would normally do. So like you would go to the grocery store in the metaverse, you would go yes. to, you know, whatever that means you have to make your business metaverse accessible yeah you know what i mean and that's 
that's huge. It that is. is huge because if you're not even thinking about your customer, you'll be, everybody's playing over here and you'll be over here by yourself. Why are you here? By, oh. by yourself. And the reality of Metaverse is is it's is unbelievable. I, I just started to read into it because when I was thinking of this application, I was thinking of creating a virtual assistant, for instance, that would help people, you know, ask them questions, mm -hmm. then become their virtual stylist mm -hmm. and help them speak to bespoke designers, right? Bespoke mm -hmm. designers, people who make things right. from the scratch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And everybody's saying for the last one year, you have a, an entire wardrobe of clothes that you've not worn. So right. the fashion industry is actually shaking. Well, guess what? What if I want to play in, in, in Meta and I want to wear Oscar, I want to wear a designer gown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can I actually speak to a designer, sketch out something in my head, or a virtual ass assistant and say, you know what? I want a pink dress with green hood and cape and all of that and that's the dress i'm never gonna wear out mm -hmm. but i could wear it in my virtual in world and yeah. it's, it's gonna become more and more like that and think of the application for healthcare where god forbid somebody has cancer mm -hmm. they don't know if it's they, they sorry they find a lump they don't know if it's benign they don't know if it's cancerous mm -hmm. and for some reason in the virtual world you can actually grow that right and do that predictive mm. you know analysis yeah, yeah. Time. So it, 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 all of this wow. is centered around one person we haven't even gotten to the, we don't even understand what sometimes i talk to people about digital, digital business transformation and they start to talk to me about technology and i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> it's more than that it is more it's, than that it's more oh than that wow wow yeah it's hmm. it's gonna be crazy moving it's gonna be great because once people once people start to figure out what their strategy is gonna be mm -hmm. for that and you are essentially give now you've given a customer the power to dream yeah yeah i mean it's it's closing it's closing the gap on some of these things that are truly in the physical world unattainable right yes. like like yes. if let's say for example a rolls royce dealer stands up a, a store in the metaverse that makes you know makes their product accessible to someone who would never in a million lifetimes be able to afford a rolls royce right mm -hmm. just just make it so like for 30 dollars you can get a subscription to the the rolls royce store in the metaverse right like mm -hmm. it's it's another i mean probably another revenue stream but it just makes the the, the point here is thinking of different ways to meet new customers, right? Yeah. Every business is trying to grow. And to me, you got to be where your customers are. And so if, yeah. let's say, you know, metaverse, I don't know. Do you know how many people are on Facebook right now? Like, it's <laughs> I stopped counting. Yeah. I stopped counting because I, just, I didn't think it was a, a true reflection of Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, but if, if, if let's just say 10% of your customers are there, right? Or 10% of the population is there your customers are there. You have to be there. You have to you start have to. thinking about, and as you said, coming up with a strategy that can meet your customers where they are. And if you're not, like I always say, if you're not innovating, you're dying. Yeah. And, and the other thing I noticed is also the trend. So I like to shout out to, to give shout out to companies that are doing amazingly well. Mm -hmm. um, 
there's going to be a, a an increase interest in in bespoke technology mm-hmm. so you know providing some sort of personalized services yeah. to customers mm-hmm. and you can already see that in technology where for samsung first and you had you could choose your color and i think nike does that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just that if that is, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah personalization here yeah. and there it's going to yeah. be more I, I feel like in this tail end of whatever circle we are on Mm-hmm. or in before we jump onto the next madness there's going to be increased demand for that and companies yeah. that can figure out the best way to provide that personal touch mm-hmm. um would actually be very successful even small businesses the, the other day i got some things for my son mm-hmm. and the uh the business actually had handwritten calligraphy notes it was really mm-hmm interesting because that style of writing has been gone for a while yeah, but I, I thought yeah. it was very cool mm-hmm. uh and i think they i think what was cool about it was the note was written and addressed to my son which was kind of interesting mm-hmm. so it was a small business of amazon but just thinking of how that business had gone out of its way to mm-hmm. add that personal touch so mm-hmm. i feel like that's going to be the next thing for small businesses and they would have to come up with uh innovative ways to do that you know from yeah. you know ceo handwritten notes i thought mm-hmm. that was cool yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah no that that's really awesome that and i and i think just to add on to that um and i and i and, I, and i'll let you go <laughs> <I know it. laughs> the, the just i think customers are going to start to expect that Right. I think customers are going to start to expect personalization and a customized experience as opposed to just the generic experience that everybody everybody gets every day. So Thanks for joining us this week on the Innovativeness Imperative. We hope that this conversation was helpful and at a minimum gave you a perspective that may be useful in your business. If you like what you heard and want to comment, you can leave a message for us at anchor.fm forward slash Malcolm dash Tyson dash PhD dash I two forward slash message. We're listening and we'll respond to questions during an upcoming show. So record your message and send it in to join in on the Innovativeness Conversation. You can also subscribe to the show directly on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS feed so you'll never miss a show. Give us a rating and share us with your friends. I'll leave you with a quote by Steve Jobs. You can't just ask customers what they want and then try to give that to them. By the time you get it built, they'll want something new. Thanks again, and until next time, keep innovating and thriving. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This has been super powerful. Did you want to share any, like your or Instagram or or any social that you did you want to share that? Yeah, I will. Uh, so for a long time, because I, I was with Deloitte, <laughs> I had to hide a lot of things. Uh, 
but I do have, I have a couple of, uh, I actually have an Instagram page for my fashion idea. I call Define Things where I want to curate stuff, but now we're building a mobile app that would okay. allow um, designers to work more effectively. I, I believe in building nimble solutions, mm-hmm. you know, so rearranging technology to effectively enhance a particular process you know, as a business tries to provide service for for, the, for their customers. So that's kind of my specialty. I'm that mm-hmm. out-of-the-box thinker. For yeah. now, I don't have like a professional page for mm-hmm. my career that's coming up. Yeah. But everything I've written, I always, I've always done under the name Lena Oak, which is like my pen name. Okay. Um, so you can find me with Lena Oak on Instagram. It's a private page, but yeah, working on it. I'm, okay. I'm getting out this year, working on it. Working awesome, on it. awesome, awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. Um, when I start off my episodes for employee experience, I will definitely have you back on so we can talk more about the people side. Awesome. I love it. I, I, I feel like we, you know, usually when I speak to people and they get it, I, I keep nodding my head like, yeah, yeah, you get it. That's I, it makes me feel like, yeah, Jackson, you got it. You got it. Like we, we, we need more of this conversation. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, innovation and transformation is my favorite, favorite, favorite topic topic around the customer i love the customer yeah. i i am a customer i think everybody should be one <laughs> we are all customers of something yeah. uh and, and thank you it's, it's thank been you. awesome all right thank you well, you enjoy the rest of your weekend and i will definitely be in touch thank you again yes yes <laughs> be in touch and all we right. could all author some things too. yeah 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 let's talk more about that as well awesome thank all you right. thank you very much okay, enjoy bye-bye. it you too bye-bye, bye-bye. Oh, thank you.